Welcome to State of Health Podcast. This is your host, J-Mart. On this podcast, I will share my knowledge and experience as a personal trainer and health coach and talk about my interests and experiments in physical training, nutrition, and other lifestyle factors involved in health. On this episode of the podcast, I am rejoined by Coach Daniel Yours to talk about health sovereignty. Dan was the most popular guest on the podcast from last year, and I thought he'd be the perfect person to kick off Season 2 of State of Health. My goal for the podcast was to discuss and define what is health and what are the responsibilities each individual can take on for themselves to maintain a healthy life for as long as possible. Before getting too far into the podcast, I asked Dan to talk a little bit about his experience doing 50 plus podcast episodes about fitness throughout last year and the current fitness journey he's on to cut excess fat and get lean after a big bulking period. With regards to health, we broke it down into the categories of physical activity, nutrition, sleep, environment, and mental health, discussing each one in depth. Lastly, we finished off talking a little bit about financial health, as that is closely tied to everything else discussed earlier, but rarely talked about. This was a great conversation, and I think you'll take away a lot from it. If you like hearing Dan on the podcast, reach out to him on Twitter or Instagram at Daniel Yours and say hello. I'll also put links to his podcast in the description for you to check out. So if all that sounds interesting, then this podcast episode is for you. Just before we get started, this is a reminder that you can get started with my free bodyweight training program, Body Basics, which requires no equipment by going to subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to smash the like button for the YouTube algorithm. Hit subscribe if you like the content and hit the notification bell too. If you're listening through a podcast app, could you please share the podcast with a friend who may also enjoy listening and discussing it with you? All right, here's the episode. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me on another episode of State of Health. Today, I've got another special guest, the uh, most popular guest from the first 12 episodes of the podcast, and it is personal trainer extraordinaire and <laughs> also podcaster, Daniel Yoris. Thank you for joining me, Dan. Thanks for having me back, John. I appreciate it. It's good to be back here. And for those who, who may not remember, John's podcast was the first ever podcast that I did and kind of introduced me to this whole thing and said like, hey, this is an awesome way to one, stay connected with people and two, spread information. And then that led off onto my my own little endeavor into this world. So, so a big thank you back to you and, and to all of you uh, who listened and, and you know have a, appreciated all the stuff that John's doing. Appreciate you thanking me, but uh, like it's all what you've done. All the praise goes to you. Speaking of what you've done, you've just completed fifty episodes. It's fifty-two now, I think. It's even more than that. So you keep pumping those episodes out. So congratulations on reaching that. And I, yeah, absolutely. And I just recently was listening to, I think it might've been the 50th episode where you're talking about your top five lessons you learned from this journey so far. Would you mind sharing just one or two of the main lessons and kind of, uh, we'll, go, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. I think, you know, I learned a lot of things obviously and try and nail it down into five things is, um, was difficult, but, you know, tried to think of the biggest five things that were common themes amongst all the podcasts. And the number one thing and, and the biggest thing was consistency consistency in all things and and it sounds like very cliche and very simple but when you hear this again and again and again from different guests and it just comes up from different like from different areas and from different areas of expertise and in different contexts it's like wow there's there's really something here so consistency in all things and i think that even to myself it speaks to the 50 episodes getting to 50 episodes is not difficult to do like 
mechanically, like you just record something 50 times, right? But staying consistent to do so 50 times over whatever 50-ish weeks or a little bit less than that, that was the biggest, that was the biggest thing. And, and I guess another really big one was uh, just being able to learn from everyone. There's, there's something that you can learn from every person, even if, it, even if you know, what they have to talk about seems completely out of left field to you, completely unrelated to what you as an individual are doing. There's always something that you can learn from everyone. And so you know, we should give the time of day to people to just have that genuine conversation to learn as much as we can from, from everyone that we can. Yeah, that's a great framework. If you're sitting down with somebody, start with that mental framework of thinking that this person has something valuable to say to you and you have to have an open mind to be able to receive this information. If you don't have that proper framework from the beginning, then it's almost like a waste of time to even have the conversation. Exactly. Exactly. Like thinking that you know everything about your subject or thinking that you know everything about everything is complete nonsense. But even thinking that you know everything about your own subject, whatever profession someone is, is like that, that's a recipe for disaster. The second that you think you're the best, you're better than everybody else, you've lost because it's impossible to know everything. And so there are always different, uh, different experiences that we can take and different points of view that we can take to apply to our own life. And, you know, like we say so much about all this health and fitness stuff, there are very few new things, but there are new experiences that we can bring. So like the messaging that I'm going to say and the messaging that you're going to say and the messaging that someone else is going to say is more or less the same, but it's how we say it and how we approach the situation that's going to click for one person or another. And so that's why I love you know connecting with people like yourself and, and, and others, because even though we're all kind of saying the same thing, we're not really competing with each other because we're all speaking to a slightly different person based on our own personal experiences. Yeah. And there's always a new, uh, sorry, my voice just cracked. There's always a new lineup of people who, uh, who are just waking up to the idea that, you know, health is a goal that they need to strive for. And, you know, you, you can't be everywhere at all times, even though kind of the internet helps make that more possible, but, <laughs> yeah. but still, you know, people trust other people who are regionally close to them. So maybe somebody, you know, on the other side of the world, you know, is, is looking for somebody and they can, they can hear somebody closer to them and listen to this and, and be able to just open their minds up to it. So you just need multiple voices kind of repeating the same thing in their own ways. And it'll different people, like you said, with different uh, backgrounds will have just uh, different people that they resonate with. So you can't just have the same person saying the same message all the time. We need different representation for all the new people that are coming online and, and trying to hear and find out all this information. Correct. And I, and I would even say that from the listener side of view or listener point of view is like they're a different person each day. You grow and have new experiences each day. So when you hear the same message on Monday and then you hear the same or you hear a message on Monday and then you hear the same message on Thursday, it's kind of like a different you who's hearing that message. So maybe the exact same words were said, but on Monday you just brushed it off. Maybe you weren't even paying attention. You weren't in the mood. Something was, you know, whatever the case may be. And then on Thursday, all of a sudden it's the same words, but it clicks. And it's like, oh, well, that's why we that's why we continue to do this because you never know when that when that light bulb the proverbial light bulb is going to go off and it's going to change somebody's life so mm -hmm. and that harkens back and that harkens back to consistency a little bit too right so if we are exactly. consistent with with our message and people are consistent with their like keeping an open mind and learning all the time then it, it could be a beautiful kind of a marriage of the two ideas together yeah totally agree totally agree yeah it, it it's amazing to me how many things it it translates to and I'm continually amazed at at how you know wide ranging it is, but for sure the biggest lesson I've learned so far, so we'll keep going 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get too deep into the conversation was this currently what you're doing with your Instagram and the fitness or I guess weight journey maybe is a better way to describe it that you're going through. You know, you had a pretty, uh, maybe I'll let you describe it yourself, but basically you've gone through quite a body transformation where you were like very lean and now you've gained a bunch of weight and then the the journey is going to continue and you're going to show everyone kind of what you're going through. So talk us through that. What have you done so far? Yeah. So thank you for that. And one thing that you were hesitating to say, and I knew it, and I think that we need to kind of liberate this word a little bit is that I got fat and, 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 and that's okay. It was done on purpose and I don't feel any way about it. Obviously I don't like it, but it was done on purpose. So to give everyone the very, you know, the shortest version of this story, um, first lockdown, got in super great shape, was training like twice a day, like a crazy madman because I had nothing else to do. Uh, then the second lockdown basically didn't train at all different life situation, didn't have a gym, whatever, didn't lift or anything for like eight months, basically lost all that muscle, stayed skinny and relatively lean, but just a lot smaller. Then, um, in June of this year, I escaped quote unquote, escaped Toronto, went to Florida, started training, came back. And then I've been training pretty hard on a, on a, journey, I guess, to gain uh, as much muscle and as much size as I could. So from June till uh, December of 2021, I gained 25 pounds, obviously not all muscle, a portion, a good portion of it was fat, probably more than, probably more than half if we're being realistic. Um, and then the, the point of gaining that excess fat was not healthy or not anything like that. The point of it was to show people now how I'm going to lose that fat while maintaining the muscle that I've put on. So over the next four or five months or so, we'll see how kind of how quickly it goes along. I'll be you know demonstrating how I'm doing that, and I think that that's a a good way to do a good thing to do just to kind of walk the walk and walk people through it. And I'm not doing anything that's like so crazy or you know taking any drugs or doing anything that's like unreasonable or unattainable for for a regular person. Um, and so that's so that's been my journey. I I I said this as well on on my end. Like I wouldn't recommend that anybody else do this gaining fat for the sake of gaining body fat is like is not conducive to any goals it's not healthy which is what we're going to talk about a lot today um the only reason that i did it is because i'm a quote-unquote internet guy now and i want to display this but if i wasn't then i wouldn't have done it that way right and, and the other big thing is that i'm not upset about it i'm not sad i'm not like ashamed about it or anything because i did it on purpose and i did it with an intention so if it had happened totally by accident now that's a totally different story and that's where I would feel bad about my body. I would feel terrible about my body image and like, and all these things, but no, I did it on purpose. I gained body fat. Okay. I still like myself. I don't hate myself. I don't love the way that I look right now, but I still love myself. And so now I'm just going to change the way that I look because it is, you know, well within my control. So here we go. And the word that you were trying to avoid there was uh, influencer. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I struggle with this word so much. It's like the the influencer word has has come to mean like selling detox tea and like booty blaster like nonsense. But but at the at the root of the word, it's like what I am and what I do want to be is an influencer. Like I want to influence people's thoughts. I don't want to sell bullshit. Excuse my language, but but I wanna but I wanna influence the way that people think and act. And so it's kind of like the 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 definition that's been given to the term I don't like but the actual definition of the term I I do strive to be that yes no I'm with you 100% like it's definitely gotten this negative connotation with the word but ultimately we do want to influence people like for their own good because people yes. do want to have a healthy happy life 
And if someone helps them along the way, it's a positive thing. It's not something to be ashamed of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And people, you know, whether they whether they think about it or not, they do want to have a healthy, happy life. It might not be top of your mind, but everyone wants that for sure. Yeah, the proverb is that a healthy man wants a million things, but a sick man wants one thing, right? And yeah, that thing is health. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. That's a good one. And, and we never realize it until it happens. Like, I'm sure, you know, we all have someone in our life or, or know of someone in our life who had a health scare of some kind, whether it be, uh, you know, some type of diagnosis or even just like an athletic injury, you broke your arm, you, you hurt your leg or something like that. The only thing you want in that time is to be healthy, to be rid of that disease, to be rid of that injury, whatever it is. And then when we're, you know, healthy and have no immediate issues, you know, we just want all this other frivolous stuff. And, and, you know, we need to kind of, we need to shift this a little bit, I think. Absolutely. And I just love that you're kind of just doing this demonstration of, how you're basically in control of your health and you can be the one that chooses to do something that results in you gaining weight, but you can also take similar actions, well, different actions, but in a similar way, you can be in control of taking action to now change things and pivot and go back to a, a leaner body type, a different, just a different like behaviors that are going to result in something completely new in you transforming your body. It's a really yeah. powerful image and it could influence a lot of people from seeing that in understanding that they themselves are also in control of their body. And this is kind of the thing that I want to talk to you about is this thing called health sovereignty, right? It's maybe I'll give a couple of, I wrote these, these down cause it'll be helpful. as just like placeholders to work off of, but mm-hmm. a definition for health, I found that was good. It's just overall condition of an organism. And then a definition for sovereignty is just supremacy of authority of rule. So you have ultimate supremacy, ultimate authority of rule over the condition of yourself as an organism. I, I, that's a good like place to start. And then if you have supremacy and authority of rules, so you have the rights, right, of, of your health, then this is where I think it turns into, well, if you have a right to something, you have also have a responsibility to that thing. So if every person has a fundamental right to health and also a right to the things that are required for like, let's say a long, long health span, then they also have car- corresponding rights and duties and responsibilities or corresponding duties and responsibilities to the rights that they have to themselves, to their families, to the larger society, I think. Uh, what do you think about that? Is it, <laughs> I don't really have a question. It's more like, this is what I think. Do you have a comment on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it. I, I think a good a good quote to sum it up is the, the Spider-Man quote, with, with great power comes great responsibility. And so, you know, we do have great power over our health. I, I don't think that we have, you know, 100% control because, of course, there's always an element of randomness. You can, you, you can fall, slip and fall, get in some type of accident. Um, you know, various health conditions can come and, and harm you, even though you're doing everything, quote unquote, perfectly. So, you know, I think I'd say we have like a 99% control over our body, whatever, whether that percentage is accurate. I don't know, but it's not hundred percent, but it's pretty high. Um, but yes, I agree that we, we have a very strong responsibility to, to ourself and to others, right? If we can't even take care of ourself, then, then we're not of use to the people that we love and to the greater, the greater world. If you are constantly sick and having to go to the doctor and unwell, unable to perform and live your life to, to the fullest, or even to your halfway potential, whether that be your job whether that just being a great husband or wife or a, or a son or a brother or a sister or a partner or, you know, whatever, then you're, you're missing something. You're missing a big part of life. And so if your health is impacted by that, you know, we, we must do something about that. Otherwise, 
you know, it, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's almost it's almost a waste. And especially when these are things that are well within our control. Again, if you're, you know, you have some congenital condition, you, you know, you were born with it or something happens, obviously, you know, you, you do the best you can given that given that condition, but that's not your fault. So, you know, exclude those situations. Um, but for people who have very strong lifestyle related diseases, you know, we need to do something about that because it's a burden on on everyone else. I don't know if you've ever watched. There was a time like years ago where my mom was into this, like my 600 pound life show. And and so like these people have all these different health conditions, but like they're also 600 pounds, like they weren't born with these health conditions. And so they always have someone like they can rarely even bathe themselves or do anything. And so that's a huge burden, both, both just emotionally, uh, physically on the other person supporting them financially, like it's a, it, it controls someone else's life. And so now, you know, you're taking up someone else's life to feed your health habits or, or lack thereof. And that's not okay. So I think that we have a very, very strong responsibility to to take care uh, of others so that we can contribute to the world rather than just take from it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you're on the airplane and they go through the um, mask situation, right? They always say, put the mask on yourself before you go and help your loved ones. Exactly. And it's because you're not going to be able to help your loved ones if you don't put the mask on yourself. It's a good analogy. I think it, it just makes a lot of sense. If you're not taking care of yourself you're just not at your best. And then even if you are, you have the intention to help those around you. If you're not at your best, you're just not going to be able to help those around you with your best. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, think about what everyone wants to do in life, whatever, whatever that is, what you want to do is not simply to just exist. And so if you're being very unhealthy to the point where it's impacting your ability to do anything but exist, that's probably not the life you drew up for yourself. So, you know, we should strive. I, w- I would hope to do something to change that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, now to move the conversation forward now, I'd like to kind of talk about what are the things that compose health and then how do we take responsibility in each of these things that compose health to just like, uh, yeah, just to achieve what we what we set out in the beginning to live a healthier life and be able to help the ones around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about this a little bit ahead of time, so we can like talk, uh, just go over like each, uh, each component. And then we had some agreements, some small disagreements, but, uh, let's, let's go over that. What do you like, what's your number one thing when it comes to health? Like, how do you, how do you categorize it? The, the way that I think that I would categorize health is, is being able to do what you want when you want kind of with who you want as a, as a little bit of an aside. Now that may also be a good definition of like freedom, but, but I think that health and freedom are, are very, um, very, very well connected. So if I'm so unhealthy that I can't go for a walk with my friends, that I can't go to a party and see my family, that I can't go on vacation, that I can't just do things that I would like to do in life, then that's not okay. If, if my physical condition is getting in the way of my life, then that is unhealthy. So my, my definition of health is basically that your physical condition should not be a factor in, in the, the way that you conduct your life. Right. So then how, what are the things that we need to do to promote uh, optimal physical condition so that we can like, yeah, have, have a long health span. Right. And so just so, we, just so yeah, we, ahead, before go. you go on uh, just a quick dem- definition of health span. So in case people don't know, we have lifespan. That's how much you, time you spend on earth from the time you're born to when you're dead. But health span is the proportion of that where you have, let's say majority of your physical faculties, like 
90, 95% of your optimal health. Right. So, so I think there's a lot of different categories and we'll probably break them down by category. And both of us as trainers, I think maybe a good place to start is just with our physical health, like our biomechanical physical health, let's say. And so that would be, you know, the ability to go for a walk, to run, to play with your children, to go upstairs. And, And I think the ultimate definition of that is to physically live independently, to be able to get dressed by yourself, to be able to bathe yourself, to be able to carry your groceries in, uh, you know, reach the top shelf, you know, not a toilet short, yourself. But you know what I mean? Sorry? Toilet yourself. I know yeah, that's, a, exactly. that's a big one that comes up with your clients, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, the, the the little joke that John's telling there is there was a client who was like fighting me on on me telling him to squat like deeper than a quarter squat. And the rationale that I gave him was because I want you to be able to take a shit by yourself when you're 90. And if you can't even quarter squat now, how are you going to be able to sit on the toilet in 40 years? And he was like, oh, okay, I get it. And then we started squatting properly. And and it's hilarious. And he was dying of laughter. And, and, and I remember that post got quite a bit of attention for, for me, but it's because it's true. It really, it really speaks to a lot of people. I don't know this for a fact, but I think that a large portion of people end up in nursing homes because they're physically um, d- dependent on others. And it's not because they're mentally unwell or have some other um, disease or illness. It's because they just can't get through the day by themselves. And, and, and that's, that's quite a shame. That's quite a shame. It's one thing if, you know, you need excess medical attention and, you know, your family and loved ones just don't have the, the means to, to supply that for you because they're not, you know, doctors and nurses and whatever. It's another thing if you need to be in a place like that just because you can't go to the bathroom by yourself. Like that would be... I would imagine that would be quite a sad, a quite a sad state, I think. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not a, it's not a secret as we get older, like we get muscle wasting, right? It's called sarcopenia. Mm -hmm. So we need to maintain muscle mass and the best way to do that is lift heavy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I had it, I had it explained very well to me by a professor in, in university once. And she was saying that, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to lose muscle as we, as we go, and we're going to lose independence with that as well. And so the best way to slow that decline is to start at a higher place, right? She kind of drew a graph. And so if we start from a place of greater independence, then we have a lot more room to decline before we cross that threshold of dependence. And so I think that that was a great analogy. It's like, let's get in as best shape as we can while we can, and then, you know, we just hold on to that as much as, as much as we can. You're not going to be deadlifting as much, you know, when you're 75 as when you're 25. But if you, you know, if your deadlift was only 50 pounds when you're 25, it's not going to be very, it's going to be zero when you're 75 and that's not okay. Right. And what I would add to that is that the rate of decline, if you've trained ahead of time is going to be way less than the rate of decline. If you haven't conditioned yourself, you're going to yeah. be falling off a cliff if you haven't conditioned yourself, whereas you will have a nice kind of a slow landing you almost like yeah. uh, if you if you're someone who has a lot of strength to begin with agreed and and you know this is not this is not really new like we've seen this there are plenty of elderly people who are still in great shape who still maintain a great amount of independence and so it's possible it's not it's not impossible these are not special human beings who like you know have some secret or you know anything like that like no they've just done things and it may not even be weight training like I'm, you know, obviously biased to that because it's what I do and it's what I enjoy, but, but that's not the only way to do it. Like it can just be simply continuing to mess around in your garden, do housework, like do, do any active living, uh, activities. And that will maintain your independence better than just sitting on the couch and, you know, flipping through channels until, you know, for the last 30 years of your life. 
Yeah, totally. Maintaining, maintaining a high level of physical activity is important. And I, what I, what I always say is just find that one activity that just mm-hmm. lights a fire under your, your ass and just keep doing that. Keep playing, like do, doing the things that are associated with that thing that you really love. But what I always say on top of that is that that can't be your only source of physical activity because we all know that one guy that just plays soccer every Tuesday. And then like after three weeks has like torn his MCL and is out for like a year until next season where he does the exact same thing. Right. We need to not forget that training helps mitigate some of the injuries that we get when we're playing and we're doing our physical things or activities or sports. And they also help undo some of the repetitive motions that we do when we do those things. So there's a lot of importance like associated with, with training as well as the playing. Yeah. I think that the reason for that, I totally agree with you, but I think that most of the reason for that is the the world that we live in today and just the way that our society is, is like, it's not very conducive to movement. Even right now, you and I were sitting down in one spot and we'll be here for however long we're here. And, and most people work a, a job where they're sitting at a desk and seated. So we're always constantly trying to undo that. And, you know, playing soccer once a week on Tuesdays is just not enough to do that. Even if you go for a walk for 30 minutes every day, not enough to do that. You Even if you work out in the gym for 30 minutes, an hour a day, it's still not enough to do that because you're trying to undo so much. So what I believe that the gym provides, aside from just regular general activity is specificity specificity of of training the things that we are trying to undo and so that can uh, maybe amplify the effects a little bit rather than just simply playing with no intention which i think that there's a strong value in that as well but but the specificity of lifting in the gym or training in the gym uh, does a lot to amplify the little amount of time relatively that we have to spend to offset the way that we live our life yeah yeah you got to be efficient with your time. You only have so many hours in the day. So you got to, if, if you think that, you know, you want to keep maintain a large, a large amount of muscle mass as you age, then you got to do some heavy lifting. Best place to do that is at the gym where they provide the, <laughs> the equipment to, to do that real well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Even things, even things like postural changes, like, yes, it's great to, you know, go play, but if, if you're not working on the exact right things, it's hard to make specific changes with non-specific methods. And I think that's maybe a better way to line up what I was trying to say. No, totally, totally. Yeah. You, you need to have, that's the, the, the goals that you develop for yourself for, for like your physical, uh, activity or like your, your, just like your physical capabilities, whatever goals you develop, the, the gym's the best place to attack those head on to directly go after them by doing very specific exercises or whatever you need to do to, to achieve them. Yeah, totally agreed. I think, I think another thing just to, just to add on to what you were saying before about enjoyment is that it has to be enjoyable. Like going to the gym shouldn't be something that you dread. It doesn't have to be your favorite activity in the world, but you know, you've got to find a way to make it enjoyable. And if it's not the gym, then, then it's something else like John mentioned, like, you know, there's got to be just something that you do that's enjoyable because having something so negative all the time is one, it's going to make you miserable doing it and that's not okay. And two, you're just less likely to actually stick to it. So you know, find whatever it is that you like. And I think that's the best way to sort of start taking responsibility is try a bunch of different stuff. Eventually you'll find something that you like and then do that and build on that from there. Yeah. There's no shortage of activities. There's like team sports, there's solo sports, there's martial arts, there's dancing, mm-hmm. yoga, Pilates. Even uh, If you don't like being super active, you can get into stretching. Like there's so yeah. many things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's endless things. You just have to be curious enough to, to keep trying until you find the one that you like. Mm-hmm. 
Now let's, let's shift gears a little bit. We've talked about physical activity. That's like the number one, well, one of the most important things regarding health, but what about nutrition? Uh, that's of course, like as personal trainers, we like when we get clients, let's say who are looking to get a big, um, change in weight, we always, I, at least myself, I like to emphasize nutrition. That's like where you're going to get most of the impact and results is through changing some of your behaviors, uh, with regards to how you're eating and the quality of food you're putting in your, in your body. Um, so what are the things, what are the, some of the responsibilities we can take with regards to nutrition other than just the general responsibility of what we put in our, in our mouth? <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, one thing that I, that I always say is the biggest thing with nutrition is, or the simplest thing that we can do is to not eat like an asshole. And so, you know, if you're always eating chips and cookies and just junk food, like a four-year-old who is unsupervised, yeah, you're not going to be that healthy and you shouldn't be that surprised that you're not healthy. I think another thing to differentiate here is that, you know, weight and health are not always equated. Carrying excess body fat is certainly not healthy, but you can lose a lot of weight in a very unhealthy way as well. So, so we need to kind of like be careful with those things. And I'm not on like the strong, the whole like super heavy body positivity, like, oh, we need to like love ourselves all that. Like, yes, you need to love yourself all the time, but like you're allowed to love yourself and want to change your body as well. Like that's okay. You can love yourself and still be unhealthy. Like like you don't get to choose your health. Your health is, it either is or it isn't. It's not, it's not a decision we get to make. You can see Um, the potential inside of you and strive for that ultimate version of you. Exactly. I think, I think that that's a great way to, to, uh, to sum it up. So with our nutrition, you know, we need to take responsibility to feed our body and to fuel our body with healthy and nutritious foods. And, and, you know, we need to make that decision. Now it's very difficult because we got to eat a couple times a day, every single day, right? Any, any, uh, people out there who cook and shop for their family will know this. Like it's a lot of effort. It's one thing to do it for yourself. It's a big, huge effort to do it for like multiple people every single day. It never ends. So it's difficult and, and I'm, you know, I'm sympathetic to that, but we still got to do it. It's not an excuse to just, you know, again, it's not an excuse to eat like an asshole. No. Or like, yeah. So I think maybe one responsibility I'll add to what you're saying is like, you were just talking about it, like learn to cook, right? Yeah. So many people my age that I talk to just don't know that you can add some ingredients together and like heat it up and somehow it turns into food. They just think you, <laughs> you press a button on a phone and food arrives or like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's become, we've become so removed from food that we have no idea. First of all, we don't even know where our ingredients are sourced from, right? Everything's from the right. grocery store. So we don't have a direct uh, interaction with the farmer who grew the food. Then we don't even process it ourselves anymore we buy food products instead of real fruit food or if we do buy the actual like food itself but we don't actually prepare it ourselves we let somebody else prepare it and then we consume it there's so many layers of separation where we could take responsibility in each one of those and it doesn't have to happen all at once look we're not i'm people are going to take this the wrong way and it's just like john standing in his soapbox telling you that you're like not living your life how you should be look we all have different responsibilities we have throughout the day and we can't do all of these things all at once but we need to take one or two of these things and see what we can do. So we will see what we can learn and develop some sort of interest in these things. Because like you said, they're so important. You eat at least twice a day, every day, or like once a day, depending on what you're doing, but like every day. So yeah. <laughs> take responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a great thing. And, and I'm with you as well. Like I know a lot of people in and around our age, they just have no idea how to cook. And even people who are older than us, it's just like, and I, and it, it blows my mind. And maybe, you know, I'm lucky that my mother cooked 
all the time and, and like continues to do so despite working, despite being busy and having, you know, three kids and all this stuff. And like, we always had home cooked meals. Like, sure. We would go off to restaurants every now and then, but like never once were we rushing home and like, we just got McDonald's on the way to soccer practice. Like that wasn't a thing that we did. And so to me, it wasn't, it wasn't normal. Now, maybe, you know, maybe this is like immigrant mentality kind of thing where like in her family that like, that's not a thing. And the thought of like eating a not home cooked meal to my grandparents is like terrifying to them. Like, you know, they were like, well, why would I ever go to a restaurant? Like we make way better food anyways. Like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So, so maybe there's that. And, you know, so there's a little bit of bias there for sure. However, it is still extremely important to, to learn to cook healthy foods. Like I'm not, I think I'm a pretty good cook relatively, but compared to my parents and and my grandparents, like I, I'm horrible, but you know, all of my food is not gourmet amazing like it doesn't have to be so romantic all the time like oh i'm not a great cook okay you don't have to be a michelin chef cook just be able to make something that's edible and and do that and you'll you know you'll improve on it. it's really not that hard yeah we also have a starting place that we go go like start from like just just like with physical training and fitness you know we don't start benching like 200 pounds from day one right we start with an empty bar and we go from there and then eventually we get mad strong and then the same thing applies to to cooking um you know we start from just maybe cooking some scrambled eggs (laughs) you know and then eventually you learn how to slow cook some some piece of awesome cut of meat or something like that right like it takes a long time to learn these things and that's how you really know that it's a worthwhile pursuit is that it's, it's like this long-term goal that you can continuously get better and deep, like dive deep down the rabbit hole. Like I'm sure you've seen my like bread posts on Instagram. Like I've yeah. gone deep down the bread. rabbit hole. Yes. Yeah. But, but like, that's such a great thing that you do. And when you're showing people that like, Hey, you can cook and make like a relatively simple food, like everybody eats bread, but your bread that you make at home with ingredients that are, you know, healthier and proper is probably way better for you than, you know, wonder bread that you buy from the store. Right. And sure. It's a lot of work to make that bread and all that stuff, but is it worth it? Like I would say probably yes. Right. Dude, I'll take it a step further and say, if you're someone who is eating bread right now and you don't make some of your bread, some of the time, then that's a big failure on your part because you're just trusting somebody else to make that food for you. And you just don't even know what's going in there. Like you, they will, yeah, they'll have a list of ingredients on on the package and that's great. But like, you don't know what half of those things are. (laughs) First of all, then you don't even know, like, it's not, it's just not as good. I went like, I'm sounding like your old grandpa, (laughs) but (laughs) But it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's, it's true in the sense that like you don't have to make it for yourself all the time, but you should at least participate in the process of making bread because uh, then you will have so much more appreciation for what, what, what goes into like creating it. And then you can, like I said, you can go down the rabbit hole and then like get all the intricacies and all the details and how do I make it like rise a little bit more and how do I make it be a little bit more healthy? Oh, and then I found out that there's like different like uh, cereals and wheat is like only one of the cereals. You can find other grains that you can get that like are even healthier for you. Like you can go down the rabbit hole in any direction, bread too, but like with anything. And then you can find the best version of what that thing is and be the person who everyone comes to, to get that best version. Like that's what we, that's what like people come to me for my bread. And then like, I have neighbors who are 
are like amazing at something that they do in particular. One of them's like amazing at roasting coffee beans. And I like, I go to him for coffee beans and yeah, you can start to develop this like network of like different trades that you're good at. And you you trade, like, it's almost like the old school bartering system, (laughs) system. but like people love that people love receiving bread as a gift or like, I love receiving roasted coffee beans from my, from my rent, like a neighbor as a gift. And you can develop like deep relationships. Yeah, I think I think so too. And it's and it's an important thing that we can all connect with because again, like we all eat all the time. And so whether it's a food from a different culture, a thing that you've never like had before, never even thought of, and you and you know, your your neighbor who's from a different country uh comes and brings it to you, like, wow, what an amazing gift. And they put like their their work into that. And so that what's that's what makes it a little bit more special. And another thing that I wanna kinda play off of, of what you were saying about, you know, learning to do things, I don't buy I no longer buy the I don't know how to blank as an excuse for anything. We have endless access to information. I have no idea how to make sourdough bread, but if I wanted to figure that out, I can just Google it. I can ask John. I can, you know, I can find a way to do it. I can find a way to at least get started on anything. I'm not going to be an expert at it, but I can at least get started. So the, I don't know how is in my opinion, an argument that is no longer valid for almost anything that we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the, uh, the other one is I don't have time. Well, it's just, it's not a priority. So yeah, let's, let's reorient our priorities. And then if we, or if we do that, then I think you'll magically find some time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We, we, you know, my, my brother is uh, very much against like social media and like the spying of social media companies and like, and all this stuff. And, and, you know, rightfully so he's, he's correct. Like I agree with him, but like, and I'm against it, but like, again, internet guy influencer. So like, you know, I am willing to make that trade, whatever. Um, but he said like when he deleted all the apps off his phone, it's like, oh, I just realized I had like so much more time in the day. I just like, I don't waste even five minutes just like scrolling on Twitter mindlessly. It's just like, I just don't care and I don't miss it either. So yeah, you know, we, we have time, we have time for things. And this is like a tricky argument because everyone's like life situation is different. And like, yeah, you, we, we can't do everything, you know, go hunting and, and find food and then grow vegetables in the garden and homeschool your kids. And like, have your own bit like we can't do everything all the time but we can do some of all these things and like make time to do a little bit of it so yeah we those two arguments i think are just kind of null and and probably overarching to all of the things that we'll talk about throughout this this whole conversation yeah and another concept that i think applies all across the board is this idea of trade-offs where we we can choose like convenience or over like like long-term thinking and you know, it it could work out well in the short term, but long term, you know, there's there's just a trade off that's made where we, we if it's convenient, there's lower quality, or if you want mm-hmm. higher quality, you lose that convenience, and it's a longer term process. And it's just it's really not possible to have your cake and eat it too. There's always trade offs and everything. So just keep that concept in mind when you're making decisions. Is this a convenient choice, or is, or is this a high quality choice? Yeah. Anything you see that's like, oh, fast way to do this, super fast shred, amazing new diet. Like it's not new and it's not that fast. And if it, and if it is, it's not that good. Like it's just, this is just the way it is. Cause if it was super quick, super cheap, super easy, then everybody would just do it and everybody would be like shredded and rich and like whatever the thing that they're trying to sell you. So it's not that easy, unfortunately. Yeah. And then once everybody did it, it wouldn't even be that valuable. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's another part. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay so we've talked about physical activity nutrition and i think maybe 
an even deeper thing is, is sleep. Cause I think like, if we don't have the sleep, it's almost like the physical activity and nutrition are, are at 50% capacity because you're not just, we won't get the effect of those things of being active and eating healthy. If you're not getting, getting good sleep, what would you think? What would you say about that? Yeah, totally agree. And I think an under underrated, um, part of this is our ability to make good decisions as well. When we're sleep deprived and it's not like, oh, sleep deprived, like you stayed up all night. I mean, chronically sleep deprived as in you get five hours of sleep a night and call it quote unquote enough. It's not enough. And so we find ourselves making poor decisions. You'll choose the, the, the junky food over the healthier food. You'll skip exercise because you're tired or half-ass your workouts or work out dangerously where you injure yourself or, or, you know, things like that. Um, so I think that's a very underrated thing. Now there's a whole host of, you know, benefits of just sleep on its own regardless of all the other things that it affects. Um, and I think that that is, is, you know, a whole separate conversation. Um, but yeah, sleep, sleep is huge. And it's, it's a big one that a lot of people I find don't do well, um, which is unfortunate, but it's a, it's a relatively simple thing to fix. And I think it's something that we just need to realize that, Hey, five hours of sleep a night, not enough going to bed at 2am, not good. That's not normal. Okay. You get even if, even if, you know, you get eight hours of sleep, you sleep from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. Not normal. Like, that's not okay, right? Like, it's better than sleeping for four hours a night, but not okay. Um, so establishing a routine where you're sleeping when it's time to sleep. Like, one thing that I like to say is, you know, midnight is supposed to be the middle of the night, not bedtime. Like, that's not, you know, it's not, it's not supposed to be bedtime. Like, we should be sleeping well before that um, when the sun's down. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, one of the responsibilities, I think like regarding sleep, I always say going to bed at the same time, at mm-hmm. least a similar, as much of a similar time as possible, as consistently as possible. If you're, yeah, if you're starting your sleep at random hours of the night, every day, it's different. It, you're just, it's, you're not hitting that consistency that we talked about. And then mm-hmm. the uh, amount of time you're sleeping will, will just randomly change based off of that. So if you're not getting your seven to nine hours of sleep for your recovery, for your growth and repair, then it's like you said, you're just like worse at everything, physical performance, emotional resilience. Somebody cuts you off on the road and you just like go into like a hundred for anger when really you can just like calm down and move on (laughs) and not care about it. Right. So I think that is just amazing. The downward impact, something like just good quality sleep or quantity and quality sleep can have. So yeah, like you said, developing the routine, you know, stuff that goes along with like brushing your teeth, stuff you already have, right? Like you can brush your teeth, do maybe small little stretch here and there. And, and then, yeah, go, go to bed, not have like blinking lights in the room. That's another big one too, right? Like we live in uh, this ultra modern world where we have uh, tech stuff everywhere and they all have blinking white lights. And these things always te- seem to be like brightest, of course, at nighttime when it's dark. So keeping you up uh, in your room, if you can just take care of all that stuff, I think it goes a long way. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think you nailed it when you said about a routine, having a sleep routine the same way we have or should have like somewhat of a morning routine, a workout routine, your workflow routine, like have a sleep routine. And that routine isn't uh, brush my teeth and then scroll on TikTok in my bed until I fall asleep. Like that's not a routine. I mean, I guess it is, but like it's a kind of a BS routine. So having a, a little bit more of an established routine that in includes the timing you go to bed and the specific activities that you do that are all the things that you've heard about. Like people know these things, you know, avoid screens, avoid the lights, avoid stimulating things, um, avoid eating too close to bed, avoid caffeine too close to bedtime, avoid 
even exercise too close to bedtime might have an impact. And so all these things, just like do the things that you know that you should be doing, but, but do them regularly. Right. Yeah. Back to the consistency piece, you know, it's yeah. just like, it's okay to mess up here every, every once in a while. And you shouldn't like uh, judge yourself too harshly when, you know, you're unable to like meet a certain standard every now and then, but it's just an opportunity to get back on the horse and to restart. And yeah, just don't be so hard on yourself. If you're just like, you know, aim for like 70, 80% of the time you're keeping to your standards, but uh, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'd like to ask you actually, what, what does your sleep routine look like? Like you got two kids in the house now that obviously throws a wrench. So, I mean, you'd probably be more qualified with more distractions and things to talk about this than, than I would for sure, who is responsible for nobody but myself. But what, what does it look like for you? Uh, it's, it's just like a little wind down with my wife. Um, like we've, by the time we get, so right now we're our second kid, uh, or my daughter, she's almost two months old now. And we're just kind of getting her now, uh, like bedtime down to at 10 a.m. 10 p.m. Sorry. We're, it was like a little later before. So now we've gotten it down to 10 p.m. So I, I've got, as soon as she falls asleep at 10, my wife and I just like brush our teeth, have a little nighttime conversation for five minutes and then go to bed. It's, it's very simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Right. Yeah. Because, and, and this wasn't like this, it's only been like this for like the last little while because it's constantly changing with like how things are with the new baby. <laughs> but ultimately what I'd like to do is yeah, like 10, 10 latest 11 is like my, uh, range between which I'd like to, I'd like to go, go down. And then usually if I go to bed at 10, it's, I have a better sleep than if I go to bed at 11, because I will usually have to wake up at the same time just because the, the, just because of the children. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very much like I have a dark room. I have a comfy bed and I, I the only thing is I just like to talk to my wife for a little bit and then <laughs> just yeah. kind of sum up the day, talk about the funny things our kids said. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's a perfect way, right? He distracts you from all the like the nonsense stuff of the day it it involves no screens or like extremely stimulating things i mean i'm sure you guys are not having like deep deep conversations about like very important things it's just you know chit chat stuff which is great obviously good good connection between the two of you as well to have that time and then you know you lead that right into right into sleep time and that's great yeah every once in a while i'll do a little bit of like a lacrosse ball on the back that's always nice right before bed yeah yeah i i like the i like a little bit of stretching before bed as well just like super light nothing intense like barely even constitutes as stretching or mobility work like it's not enough to really create any change but it's just something it's more of a distraction a physical distraction again as someone who's like a trainer it's a neurological yeah exactly i i'm I'm much better at feeling things in my body than i am to just kind of like quiet myself in my mind with like a meditation if we're going to kind of go down this rabbit hole very quickly um you know i've been trying to get better at meditation just sitting here and like you know doing the thing but it's not intuitive to me so having something a physical sensation to go along with that uh, helps me personally a lot and and i know that it helps many other people because it's just a little bit easier just because it's more tangible um so that's something that that has been helping me over the past six months or so that i've been trying to implement this a little bit more yeah that's a super important part of overall health is the mental component right that's mm-hmm. well, let's, so let's just jump into that real quick. Of course, like, you know, it's, it's a super important thing to talk about these days because people are suffering with mental yeah. health severely right now. Like I think there was like a hundred thousand people in the United States that committed suicide last year. That was wow. 
uh, an intense statistic to, uh, to come across. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, uh, uh, mindful meditation, kind of, uh, mindfulness meditation is, I, I sounds like is something that you're participating in to help, uh, you keep your mental health at a, like a good place. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that that's, that that's accurate. Um, it's not solely because of that. I'm not trying to like fight anything with it, but I find that it's good to check in with myself uh, you know, just check in, see how, how I'm doing and like really check in, not just like kind of just surface level, like really kind of go, go inside. And maybe this is going to be a little woo woo for some people, but like really go inside and see like, Hey, how is, how is Daniel doing today? How is John doing today? Like, what did we feel about this? What did we feel about that? What, how do we feel about whatever things are upcoming tomorrow? Um, and just have that like few minutes of, of me time has been, has been great to understand myself and my emotions and my reactions to things so that when things happen, I don't overreact and I don't get so upset or so, you know, emotional about whatever it is that's, that's coming. Um, now, I think we should, you know, maybe put a, just a little asterisk here is like, if you're struggling with something mental health related, like definitely seek a professional, professional help on this. Like it's not something to be, you know, joked around about and, and all that stuff. Um, but whether or not you're currently suffering from something that's diagnosable, we all like mental, the same way we all deal with our own physical health through training, through whatever we all deal with our own mental health. Even if it's good, it's still something you have to do to keep up with and, and all that kind of stuff. So find an activity, uh, whether it be a meditation, whether it be talking to your friends, you know, whatever it is for you and, and do that, I think. And again, it's a little bit about searching for yourself and taking that responsibility again to find like, Hey, this is the thing that helps me. Um, that's also not destructive. And I think that that's another important part of this piece. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, with, with meditation, like I find you can combine it with like some of your, some of the physical practices, like with breathing, right? Like you're mm -hmm. basically, you're just breathing when you're meditating anyway. So you can concentrate your, your, your focus as you're meditating on the breaths uh, that that's kind of my, my approach to it. And I find with that, I get a lot of like calmness and relaxation and an ability to reset and then uh, the ability to see what kind of like what you're talking about, how, how, how am I really like, because as you're kind of doing it, you see all the random thoughts passing through your head and then you can kind of get an idea of like, you know, I must be really mad because I, <laughs> there's a constant stream of angry thoughts coming through my head or, <laughs> or yeah. I must be doing okay because I'm just like having okay, like happy thoughts about my family. Like there's definitely that aspect of it. That's very helpful, <laughs> yeah, exactly. very helpful, but it, it's just like, um, like this breathing and meditation. I think it's this undervalued tool that we like, it's so accessible to everybody, right? You don't need anything and everyone can just sit down, close their eyes and start breathing and focus their mind. Uh, but it, it also is such a powerful tool where you can have, I think we talked about this last time, a, a deeper impact on yourself, on your body's physiology with that one single movement than with any other movement. And I've kind of really gotten so deep on this where like before I used to almost be embarrassed to practice breathing with my clients because i thought mm -hmm. like this is this seems like such a waste of their time like why would they want to practice breathing but like i've totally overcome that and now i'm just like the first five minutes of our training session we're going to do some practice breathing we'll i'll show you some like time breathing exercises we can do and we're going to do them together and you know hopefully when i ask you to do them on your own you do them on your own as well but at least i know you're doing them with me and yeah. and then we can actually see the changes that i know will happen if you practice these things consistently and yeah. uh so like 
yeah, but I'll just end it there. <laughs> you know, that's that's interesting that you've recently kind of come to that realization because I also have. And so over the past whatever handful of months with my clients, I've been doing the same. I usually do it at the end of the session, actually, for for no real there's no big benefit here or neither right or wrong or whatever just works for, for the way that I do things. Um, and, and most of the time on like the first time we do it or, or usually actually the second time, cause the first time it's always like, okay, this is so weird. Like, why is this guy telling me to do this stuff? Like, I don't really get it. Like I'm not really doing it right. I'm nervous. And the second time, like, okay, he's not going to like, you know, smash my face when, when I close my eyes, like, you know, <laughs> everyone's just relaxed. Um, so then the second time, and it's like, it's not, it's not uncommon for, you know, a tear to come by or someone to have like a very emotional response. And we just do like a couple breaths. Like it's maybe 30 seconds to a minute long, like it's six breaths. That's all. And it's just a very strong emotional response. And I never ask, and I never, you know, unless someone's willing to, to share, but it's always like that, you know, I always say that was pretty powerful, wasn't it? And the response is almost always, yeah, wow, I've never... I've never breathed like that before. And and that's kind of a weird thing. It's a weird thing to think, right? Because people are, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, however old they are, and they've never just taken some, a, a very few, uh, very few, very intentional breaths. And and it's amazing how how powerful of a tool it, it actually is. So I, I'm sure you'd agree, John, but I highly encourage anybody to, to try it in any way. And it doesn't have to be super intense, like sit down, lay on your back, sit up, whatever's comfortable for you, and just take five deep breaths, like start there at the most very basic, take five deep breaths and then, you know, see how that makes you feel and, and then go forwards from there. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievably powerful and yeah, I just can't recommend it enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the other thing I want to talk about is like this idea of the environment. Cause one of the things that people say about humans is that we've kind of basically created our own environment, right? Like we're no longer living in nature and we're, we're living in an environment that we've created for ourselves. And now that we, we have this mismatch between the organism and, and the environment that it was evolved to be in versus the environment it, it finds itself in currently. And so like this often can lead to like a lot of the chronic disease that we're seeing that people are experiencing. So like, <laughs> what's what kind of responsibilities do we need to take to overcome this mismatch i think one is being aware of how your environment affects you and i think that is perhaps the biggest the biggest factor if i can tell a, a short personal story in the first half of well, the first half of last year i was living downtown in a condo had just moved in was very exciting you know all that kind of stuff um, but it was a, you know, big tall condo right in the middle of, right in the middle of the city. So, you know, lots of noise, you hear the sirens all the time, you know, exciting, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then in June now, given it was like pretty heavy lockdown at the beginning of all, of all last year. So I didn't get to like go out and enjoy as many things. Right. At the beginning of June, I went to, or in the middle of June, I went to Florida and I was, you know, I rented a, a place with my cousin, kind of like on the beach. And so it was, you know, not a big, not a big city, not a downtown area. Um, and it's so a lot more nature, a lot more outside time, a lot more like quieter time of life and, or quieter, uh, and slower way of life, let's say. And I was just way happier. Everything, I just felt way better. My body felt better. Like everything was just kind of feeling better. And that was like the kind of the click that I needed. Like, wow, like this whole, like the downtown thing just wasn't for me. And I didn't really realize it until I was able to get out of that. Um, I was, I was semi, semi aware of it, but not fully aware of it until I removed myself from that environment. And so before I even came back, I, I, you know, I was renting the place. I didn't own the place. 
I broke my lease um, or ended the lease, whatever. And so, you know, moved out of there and I'm no longer living downtown, living back in the suburbs. And so, you know, feels much better, right? More space. I can see actual trees. There's not sirens and, 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 you know, homeless people yelling and stuff all the time at all hours of the night. Um, so, so the environment is, is hugely important, but we have to become, we have to become aware of it. Right. And the other thing that I realize is we have control over it, where you live and how you live the setup Yes, that's it's convenient to continue to live the way that you live, and and it's it's scary and hard to like make changes. But if that environment is not conducive to what you're trying to do in life, then you know you have to take that responsibility once again to to make that change into a way that is conducive to what you want out of life. We're back to that, you know, diversion between quality and and uh, high quality and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. It's convenient to stay where you are, even though you might not be like the most comfortable there. It's way harder to move and, you know, vote with your feet and go to somewhere where you're more wanted (laughs) or you will feel better. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, the ultimately it's it's the better choice, but it's just it's a little bit of short term pain for long term gain. Exactly. No. And I think even just to to like one, one step further on this is be in nature spend time in nature it's again it sounds so cliche so simple so like oh you know these woo woo guys you know whatever walks bare feet in the forest like listen just try it and then tell me it doesn't feel good like like i don't just we don't just say these things because it makes us feel good like uh, it doesn't doesn't do anything to me to yell about this all the time but it it helps it helps a lot so you know you got to get over your biases get over your you know your your uh, restrictions that you've placed on yourself and, and go try it. Maybe don't go, you know, barefoot in the forest and jump naked in a river and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, just go for a walk outside, like in the city on the sidewalk, start there, <laughs> but, but actually do it. And, and, you know, look around when you're outside, not, not at your phone, look at the birds, look at the sky, look at the skyscrapers, look at, look at people, look at stuff and, and, you know, soak in that environment. Yeah. Look, it's, it's not a secret that when you go outside, you get sunshine and you know, the sunshine hitting your skin makes your body produce vitamin D. Like that's, that's not a secret. (laughs) You know, we know, we know that that's what happens and vitamin D, even though it's called a vitamin, it's an important hormone in your body. That's responsible for over a thousand genes that are being expressed in every single cell of your body. So like, these aren't like, yes, it sounds woo woo or hippy dippy to say, go outside, get some sunshine, but there's actually scientific evidence to to support some of these things that we're saying. Also, if we're going to talk, if we're going to go down this road, we can also talk about cold and heat exposure as well, right? Like the environment mm-hmm. is full of cold lakes, cold bodies of water, exposing your body to cold, uh, cold exposure like that. It, like, it's not, again, lots of evidence to show that this is beneficial. We have the idea of hormesis which is where you give your body a little bit of, uh, um, what is it? What am I trying to say? Um, a little bit of a shock, something difficult that it has to go through. And then it, it, it can adapt to that as long as it's not something that it like totally diminishes the body in a way where it can't recover from, but it can adapt and recover and be stronger than what it started out from. And that's the idea of exposing your, your body to cold or to heat as well, or just training in general. Yeah, exactly. Just training in general, like just doing hard stuff for the sake of doing hard stuff. Like, you know, a lot of people like to do cryotherapy, different things. I, th- I think ice baths are great. I mean, they're, they're super hard and, and, you know, not exactly fun when you're in it, but, but it's super hard. But like, you know, a cryotherapy chamber, like unless you're a pro athlete, like you probably don't, you probably don't need it. And is it, and again, like the, the benefit to the, or, or the cost to the reward, is it worth, I, I've never been personally, so I don't know how expensive they are, but I know that it's not cheap, but you know, if you live in Canada, 
I did one for like, I think it was 80 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So that's even more than I thought it would be. But like, you know, if you live in Canada, like, and you're going to spend 80 bucks to go spend a minute and a half in a cryotherapy changer, chamber, like just take your jacket off and go outside. It, today, it, it's it's like minus 22 degrees outside. Like just go outside for three minutes. It's going to be, you're going to be cold enough. Trust me. So you know, we, we, we do silly things. And then, you know, something maybe we'll talk about a little later. It's just like we, we complain about money, but then we do silly things with our money in, in quote unquote to, to benefit our health. And it's like, ah, it's not really like, you know, it's not really working that way. But, but yeah, going outside when it's, when it's cold, going outside when it's hot, like we don't need to stay inside in the air conditioning when it gets above, you know, 25 degrees. Ooh, like scary. Like, yeah, I have super fair skin as well. I try and wear as little sunscreen as possible to like let the sun touch my skin. Obviously, I do wear sunscreen because I'm going to get burned to a crisp like at like no tomorrow. But but I try and I try and let the sun hit my skin and go outside when it's hot and sweat and let you know just let nature kind of like do its thing. And you know, usually it's pretty good. But exposing yourself to it is it it, it just feels great. And when things feel great, you, you do them right. And there's no negative. There's no negative downside to this. So. I think that's a, another another big part of this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this idea of just like staying indoors and only experiencing like the temperature between like what the thermostat says, like what is it, what, whatever people set it to, like 21 yeah. to 20, whatever degrees. Yeah. Like, meanwhile, we have these amazing bodies that have the ability to adapt, like they have the ability to perceive what the out, outside temperature is and then the adapt our uh, internal metabolism to match the, uh, like the internal temperature to what the outside temperature is. It's, it's amazing. And we, if we like, it's... It's almost silly to say don't if you don't use it to you 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 lose it like you don't necessarily lose it but it's definitely something you need to train you you need to be able to you need to be adaptable if you're yeah. always in the same environment you're not going to be adaptable you need to yeah. change and vary your environment yeah I, I don't know the details of this so so forgive me if I'm incorrect but I saw something that over the past couple of years where we've been mostly at home there's been like worsening uh, sight in a lot of people. And it's because we're only looking at things that are like within our own home. So we don't look at things that are very far away. And and I guess I don't know much about like sight and eye health and all that kind of stuff. But I guess that that's like not very good for us. So we're always looking at computers, even the TV, even if you sit at the back of the room, like it's not that far away. Whereas you go outside, you're looking at things that are hundred, couple hundred meters, you know, a kilometer away, whatever, whatever it is. And so, you know, that's another aspect of it. Like you don't want to spend tons of money on glasses and have to, you know, do all that kind of stuff all the time go outside. It's helpful for that. It's helpful for that as well. Exactly. Exactly. And I think this is a common difference that people cite between like city kids and like country kids. Cause in mm-hmm. the city, even when you're outside in the city, like the actual furthest horizon is not quite as far because of all right. the buildings as it is when you're in the country and you can look for miles and miles and just see trees in the horizon. Right. Yeah. I, I always try to look for like the furthest thing in my horizon and try to focus in on it and see if like, is there any detail that I can make out? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I always try and like, if I'm in the city, like I'm always trying to look up, I'm looking at the tops of the buildings, not like, you know, what or watch where I'm going, obviously, but it's, I'm looking up just cause I feel like I can see farther that way. And that's not even like a conscious thing about my eyes. Like I've never really considered that for my eyes. It's just like, that just seems more interesting. Like I'm looking at something rather than just looking at like, you know, just nonsense stuff on the street. Right. Yeah. 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 The eyes just drawn to those faraway objects. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we've talked about, let's see, let's do a quick summary and then we'll move on to the last one. I think we talked about like sleep, physical activity, nutrition, our 
like mental health as, as part of the mental health. I also, one thing I think I'd like to just add in real quick is just like some of the relationships we have, right. With the, with the people who are most important with us, like the family and our close friends, like spending time with these people or just developing a tribe of people with similar values. I think that's also super important towards like making your mental health optimal and like just having a a social network, a real social network (laughs) that, that uplifts you and promotes your, your health overall health. Yeah, I agree. I'd even go one further and say that the mental health is probably like sprinkled into almost all of these um, silos of health, if you will, uh, to to some degree. But I think, you know, we mentioned before recording that it was worth just mentioning on its own. But yeah, with, with on the social connections, 100%, right? We're, we're so isolated now, like having a conversation with someone face to face or even or even uh, just on the phone, as opposed to like just text conversations and just social media posts and stuff like that. It it makes a big difference. Like call a friend, just randomly call a friend, whoever's listening and talk for 30 minutes about nothing. Just have a conversation about, you know, whatever. And and you'll feel better after you do that. Like it's important to have good people around you, uh, good people to support you, good people to lean on, good people that can lean on you. Um, and, you know, it's not good. We're, we're social creatures. So whether, whether we like it or not, even if you're an introvert, like, you know, you still you still need people around you. So find those people. And, and if there are people who are not helping you out or, a strong negative in your life, then, you know, maybe you've got to have that conversation or, or not have that person around. And that's tough, but you know, you can't sacrifice yourself for, for that person if they're just constantly being super negative and bringing you down. Yeah. Yeah. This is like some people, they're all, their whole like life is negative and they like, they have an overboard of negative and they have some, some to spare. And there's like, here, have, here, have some more. <laughs> I have got some extra for you. And it's just like, but I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those people that you talk to and they just always got something bad to say. It's like, oh, I just, yeah, you're right. It's just an energy drainer. And and I think even, you know, one up on this, like maybe stop watching the news. That's like, it's mostly negative and that's part of like your social um, indulgence, let's say. And, and if that's a strong negative thing for the most part, of course, you know, keep up with daily things that are happening and, you know, there's obviously important stuff that's said there, but like for the most part, like just, just turn off the news, get the information you need and then, and then shut it off. It's just unnecessary negativity in your life that is doing nothing for you. Yeah, it's true. We have so many streams of information coming at us at all times. It's just a matter of being very, very like, if like, uh, what am I trying to say? Have a filter, but have a very strong filter, have a very strong filter, where only a few streams of information are coming just enough so that you can get by your day. And you know, like, you know, the sky's not falling, (laughs) but but like, you know, you don't also need to know what's happening in Australia or in in other parts of the world. Like really, like, is that really going to make a big difference on, on your day-to-day life? No, exactly. And, and even, and even aside from the news, uh, I think a lot of people, blame social media for like uh you know negative mental health and like oh this model who has this like unattainable body and you know all this stuff it's like social media is only negative if you allow it to be negative like you literally have to click follow on people if there are people that you follow or that you listen to who make you feel bad about yourself unfollow those people you don't have to you don't have to follow anybody and so, so create, and again, I, this is part of our social environment now, you know, whether we, whether we like it or not, like, yes, have real relationships with people, see people in person, you know, hug your loved ones, like do all that stuff. Like that is first and foremost, but on, on the digital side of things, which is also important and, and very relevant today, 
curate your feed, curate the things that you see to be wildly positive. Don't, you don't have to look at any negative stuff. Social media does not have to be negative or have a negative impact on you. And if it is, then, you know, you're, you're doing something wrong. Again, take that responsibility and, and make a better choice there. Yeah, totally. Like the genie's out of the bottle. We're not getting rid of social media anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. And you just have to make it work for you. And even like, I'll give an example for me, even some of the accounts that I follow where they post things that I 100% agree with, but the messaging and the tone of the posts are negative and they always like make me feel worse when I see them. Even I'm like, yeah, that's totally right. But why am I angry? Like, (laughs) so I've, 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 I've started to get rid of those accounts that I'm no longer following them uh, anymore because even though they're giving me the information I want to get, it's, it's, it's not given to me in a way where it's positive. That's making a big, big uh, positive impact on my life. It's just making me more angry and more like uh, stressed out so that my next interaction with somebody is, is uh, at a heightened like state where it really doesn't need to be. Right. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. And that's super aware of you to to notice that and to take action on that as well. I think the other thing is it's a, it's it is difficult. There's stuff that's going to, you know, pop up and especially again, new stuff. It's like, "Oh, fuck. Excuse my language again." Like, we don't want to I don't want to hear that thing. Like, you know, I didn't want to see that. Now now I'm angry about this thing all day. I know that that like I'm certainly guilty of that. Like, you know, hand up right here. But but, you know, try and just realize that that's happening to you and, and limit it to the best of your ability. I think another kind of asterisk on all of this stuff is like, I know I'll speak for myself, like I'm not perfect. I don't do all of these things all the time, every single day. Like I'm not, you know, the beacon of health that I do everything perfectly. I think I do most things pretty well. Like I'd say like 90 to 95%. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, I'm a regular person as well. I fall to the same vices that we all, that, you know, I've got my vices the same as anyone else. Um, and so, you know, you, you do the best you can and just being aware of the things as well that you're doing wrong and, and striving to fix them. I think that that's another uh, important thing to realize as well. Yeah. As, as personal trainers, we're always like helping our clients develop their body awareness, right? Like having an mm-hmm. idea of like, what does it feel like when you squat down to this depth or what does it feel like, like when you press overhead and you have your arm completely in, in the right position. And it's just like that idea applies all across the board, developing this awareness for everything, for the foods you're eating, for the social connections you're making, for how you're training, what your body feels like. And then also like the, and this is maybe the last thing we'll talk about, the overall system that you're a part of, the the world's, the world that you live in and what what is like the... Um, well, let's just say the, what is the financial system you're a part of? Like, uh, how yeah. to, how, like, how do you fit into that and how can you, what are the rules and how, how can you use the rules for your own advantage so that you're, you're not left behind? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Once again, I mean, the financial system is certainly, it's first of all, something that I'm not an expert in. So, you know, please don't take financial advice from me, but, 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 you know, it's something that we need to be aware of and we need to be aware of our own finances. Like you need to be, you need to know how much money you're spending, how much money you're making that that's like rule number one, same as like, you need to know what your workouts are. You need to know, you know, what you're eating, like know how much you're spending, know how much you're making, know what your expenses are, know where you're quote unquote wasting money. If you think you don't have enough money, you know, examine your finances and where, and where can you maybe save money? Or do you even, do you have more money than you think you are? Where are your bad spending habits? Things like this, I think go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Like your financial health, let's put it that way to tie it to everything else is, is very important because if your finances are out of order, it's not like one of those other, like, it's like how, uh, if sleep is out of order, physical nutrition, physical activity and nutrition don't matter so much. If your financial health is out of order, none of the other things we said uh, matter so much either, because like exactly. at the end of the day, someone's got to pay the bills. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to pay the bills. You know, you've got to pay for a gym membership or classes or healthy food or like you know, all these things. You can't be, if you're someone who needs to, who needs to work 20 hours a day for like a low paying job, then, you know, that's taking a lot of time and energy away from other things that are maybe more productive that you can do. So you've got to really have a hard think about how you can make that situation better. How can you make more money? to do the things that you want to do. Like the point of making more money is not to just get rich to like buy stuff. It's to be able to do stuff that you want to do. And I think that that is, uh, it it seems to be coming more to the forefront uh, over this past year where people are realizing like the system is a little bit, you know, not perfect. Um, you know, well, like in, since basically let, I'll take over here just a little bit. Let yeah, me have yeah. my little rant. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, basically since it. March, 2020 last year where we had the pandemic and then there was an insane response by the government where there's just like free money all of a sudden being handed out to everybody just to make sure, I guess, like it makes sense. We don't want people to default on their mortgages and all the other loans that they have. But like, if we're not producing any actual things of value, but we're just making more money, that doesn't actually make sense. All that does is makes the money like dilute and have less value itself. So yeah. So one thing I, and we were, we started off by saying, don't take financial advice from us. I I'm a personal trainer but I will give financial advice and it's on to, it's on It's your responsibility, whether you take it or not, but like, <laughs> don't, uh, once you have your finances figured out and you know how much money you're making, don't save your money, invest your money. Okay. Saving does not work. If you're saving, all you're doing is you're just losing purchasing power every year. Last year was whatever, like whatever, it doesn't matter, but in like, it, you're just losing purchasing power. So don't save your money, invest your money. And if you're going to invest your money, don't buy bonds. That's just the worst investment you can make right now. Unfortunately, like you're left with basically uh, equities, real estate, um, crypto, I guess. Uh, what else is there? Um, fine arts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's, there's just smarter, there's smarter ways to, to do things. Right. And so like, yes, the, the, go- the, yes, the government's financial response has been, let's say questionable at best. Um, and so it doesn't leave a lot of power uh, to the people. So, you know, we thought that, you know, we were we were told that, you know, we could trust the government, the government will take care of us. Financially, that doesn't seem to have been the case, even those who have received and been given, um, the, you know, the CERB checks in Canada or whatever financial assistance, it doesn't get the job done. For example, at the beginning of this thing in, in, in Canada, uh, the CERB checks were like $2,000 a month, right? Which seems like, great. And it's much more than in the US, they got like 600 bucks just for like whatever, right? So on the surface, it seems great. Toronto is an extremely expensive city to live in. And that's okay. Because again, that's a choice that you can make. If you're living on your own, like you're you're not paying less than, let's say even on the ambitious side, if you live with roommates and whatever, you're not paying less than a thousand dollars a month in, in rent, right? So boom, off the top, that $2,000, half of it has gone to your rent in a good situation. Then you've got to pay for groceries and, and then you're taxed again on top of that money. It wasn't tax free. So it, it doesn't get you ahead anywhere. And so, yeah, you're, you're getting by and, and paying the bills maybe, but you're still getting behind. So like you've got to do something. You can't just rely on this. It's not enough. You have to do something to take responsibility of that for yourself to improve your situation so that you can use that money and time to do things you actually like. And just getting by is not <laughs> it's not what you want to be doing. No one strives to just ah just exist again back to the very beginning. That wasn't your goal. And so, you know, do something to change that. Yeah, we want to we want to thrive. We want to be the best versions of ourselves. And 
in order to do that, we need some way of storing the value of our work that we output. If we're just working hard and we're earning some money, but that money is like a battery that's lost its power and is no longer really functional, then it, it, that was a wasted effort. We need something that can actually hold the, hold the value so that the time that we put out doing all these difficult to do things, they're actually valued in a way, in, in a fair way. Otherwise, right. we're, we're being cheated and nobody nobody likes being cheated. Right. And I think what you're getting at there with that description is is more of the cryptocurrency conversation, which, again, not an expert in. I, I believe in it. I, I own a little bit myself. Um, it, it has its flaws, just like just like everything. It's not like, a, oh, just buy some Bitcoin and all of a sudden you're rich. Like, that's not how it works, obviously. And I hope that nobody believes that because that's how you lose. That's how you hear these horror stories of people like losing all their money in crypto. And then it's a gives it all a bad name and all this stuff. The principle of it is great. I think it solves a lot of problems. It obviously has some of its own issues. Um, but it, it, it allows us to create a system that is more conducive to us, the individual, uh, rather than the system itself. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, I think the, uh, the point is just getting hard assets, something, get your hands, use your money to buy yourself hard assets because those things can't be devalued as, as badly as what's been happening to our, to our money, unfortunately. So you just have to protect yourself. You have to understand the game. The game is that assets are getting inflated. And money is getting devalued. So you have to quickly, whatever money you're making, put it towards hard assets. Otherwise, you're you're left behind. Right. And I think I would even say one simpler than that is that you just need to be in control of your money. Like money shouldn't, you've got to find a way to make enough money, have enough money, have enough assets to be in control of what you're doing. If money is dictating all the decisions that you're making, then that then that makes things very difficult to do because now you're choosing between a gym membership or a healthy food, and and you know and I'm assuming that someone's not like wasting money on stuff where you're making that decision. Like your health is, in my opinion, not the place where you should be saving money on. Like you don't need to spend more than you need to spend, but it's not the place where you should be cutting costs, sort of thing, right? Like I you know I know many people who have corporate jobs and and that's totally fine. There. You know, they're dependent on the system of that job. They can be fired at any time, all that kind of stuff. Fine. But for conversation purposes, you know, they've they've collected their paychecks throughout the entire pandemic, um, not missed a paycheck, got promotions. You know, things have been normal for them other than the fact that they don't go to the office. They work at home. So they're even saving more money, not going for dinner, not going on vacation, not doing all these things. And yet they still seem to complain about money. And that seems very strange to me as someone whose impact has been, who, whose income has been greatly affected over the past couple of years. It's like, well, you've been making more money than ever. Like, how are you complaining about like this cost of this like health thing? And here's another thing. And sorry for ranting a little bit. No, here, no, you know, but I like, had my chance. Now it's yours. <laughs> but pe- yeah, so so it's a little bit annoying to me. But another thing is like, if people have said to me, "Oh, you're so lucky to have a home gym," like I've got a pretty good home gym setup. Like, you know, I've, I got pretty much everything outside from, outside from cables and whatever, but I've got a, a great home gym setup. People are like, you're so lucky to have a home gym setup. And I'm like confused. I'm like, I just bought it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, there's nothing lucky about it. I went to the store or online or wherever I got it from and I paid money for it. And then I got it. Like, that's how it works. I wasn't gifted it. No one, like I didn't become a personal trainer. And then all of a sudden a gym just appeared in my basement, like the squat rack just, didn't just fall on your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't work like that. And like, and you know, these are people saying this to me who like, I know 
are making far more money than me and like are more financially stable and all this stuff. It's like, you could just have this too. Just buy it. Stop wasting money on all this other dumb stuff that you just told me about and, and invest in this. And if you don't want to, then that's fine. But then don't complain about it either. Right. And, and that's my biggest thing is like, you can do things and, and know the consequences of what you're doing. If you accept those consequences, then that's fine. But then don't complain about the consequences of your own choices. That That's the thing that kind of like really bugs me the most. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, uh, then this comes back to like the health sovereignty that we started off talking about, right? Like we are in control of our, our health. We are in control of our life. We have like, you know, some people don't believe this. They, they say everything's predetermined, right? Like everything's out of your control or whatnot. Maybe that's true to some sense, right? Because our past dictates what we do in the present because right. we're just, uh, this is just how it works. Like if somebody has like a very good childhood, they're likely to have like a better life than somebody who has a really tough childhood. You know, they, they have a lot more things that they need to overcome to get to the same place as someone who did, had an easier childhood. But at the, at the same time, like it just feels wrong to take all of the power we have in our hands, like to make actions and take action to take that, to throw that all away. It seems, it seems wrong. It seems like, yes, we are in control and certain things that we do have consequences and it's, it's our, like, depending on what choices we make, there's different consequences and we just have to face those. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, I, I think it's probably also worth noting that you and I are obviously more educated than the average person on all of these things. So obviously it's our profession. We're very passionate about it. It's something that came relatively intuitively to us through our life, through our experiences and upbringings and education and all that kind of stuff. So yes, we're, we're a little bit on, on one end of that spectrum. And, and I'm, I'm aware of that. And I'm aware that people have grown up in very unhealthy homes to no fault of their own, where there was no healthy food, there was no exercise, there was no sports, there was little love there, you know, all these things. I, I get it. But so I'm not saying, you know, make a total 180. It's your fault if you're unhealthy. Like, yeah, there's a lot of factors that go into this. However, we must realize that it is within our power to change. We can't change what happened, but we can change what we're going to do. And I think that that is maybe the 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 most important thing that we can realize is that we do have the power to change that we what we can do. And we just need to start, you know, one step at a time, taking responsibility bit by bit. You don't need to overhaul your entire life and all this kind of stuff, but realize that you have the power to change it and then make a decision to do so. Yep. One step at a time, kind of how we started off with consistency. As long as you're, you have that in your mind that you're trying to make this uh, behavioral change and you can just take one step at a time, one small change at a time, then you're, you're much more likely to be successful than if you try to make a big, big, uh, like grandiose thing right from the get go. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, the timing of this podcast is, is great for that because, you know, just early in the new year. Right. And it's like, people have probably it's January 11th today. People have probably already like tried to make this big change. I'm going to work out every day. I'm going to eat every single meal healthy. And 11 days in, I'm sure like many people have failed that. And that's okay. But, you know, we need to realize that there's got to be like a little bit of a, you know, a more sustainable approach to all this. You can't go from sitting on the couch eating potato chips, drinking beer every night to being, you know, uh, the epitome of health. It doesn't, it's, it's not impossible. It's just very unlikely. And so, you know, we've got to realize again, one step at a time, consistency, small changes, and, and that's how we go. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. This has been an awesome conversation. Like we hit on all the things, all the topics I wanted to hit on, uh, and, and beyond actually, we talked, touched on a couple of things that I wasn't expecting, which is great. Thank you for sharing all the stories. <laughs> and then, uh, also explaining some of the inside jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Awesome. No, it was, it was a great conversation as always. I appreciate you having me on, uh, once again, and, and another big, uh, thank you to give me the intro to the whole, uh, podcasting world. And so always happy to, uh, you know, continue sharing with you and continue, uh, having these conversations. Yeah. And in order to keep the consistency going, I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to have you come back at least once a year on the state of health. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do that'd it. be awesome. I'm, I'm in for it. Yeah. <laughs> as long as we keep it going. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man, for sure. All right. Uh, thanks a lot. And everybody, thank you for listening. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks again for watching or listening till the end of the podcast. If you have any follow-up questions or comments, please reach out and let me clear up any uncertainty. Either leave a comment or send an email to newsletter at jmartfit.com. That's all I have for you today, ladies and gents. Connect with me on social media at jmartfit on Instagram and Twitter and jmartmoves on Facebook. Or get my free bodyweight training program through subscribepage.com slash bodybasics. Jmart out. <laughs>